First Kings 19. First Kings chapter 19. This is the ninth of our studies and victories in the valley. With one more. Uh, one more from this chapter that we're dealing with tonight of this character that we're dealing with tonight and that'll be 10 and that'll be the Bible studies over for this year uh, when we come down into December there's not a great time for having people coming to Bible studies so we're going to end at the 10th one next Lord's Day, next Wednesday evening uh, God willing to it First Kings chapter 19 and verse 1. Chapter 19 of First Kings and the verse 1. And Ahab told Jezebel all that Elijah had done and with all how he had slain all the prophets with the sword. Then Jezebel sent a messenger unto Elijah, saying, So let the gods do to me, and more also, if I make not thy life as the life of one of them by tomorrow about this time. And when he saw that, he arose and went for his life and came to Beersheba, which belongeth to Judah, and left his servant there. But he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness and came and sat down under a juniper tree and he requested for himself that he might die and said, It is enough now. O Lord, take away my life, for I am not better than my father's. And as he lay and slept under a juniper tree, behold, behold, then an angel touched him and said unto him, Arise and eat. And he looked, and behold, there was a cake baking on the coals, and a cruise of water at his head. And he did eat and drink, and laid him down again. And the angel of the Lord came again the second time, and touched him, and said, Arise and eat. Because the journey is too great for thee. And he arose and did eat and drink. And went in the strength of that meat forty days and forty nights. On to Horeb, the mount of God. We know that God will bless to us this public reading of his own precious word tonight isn't it a very sad and a very solemn thing that some of the greatest 
and some of the mightiest men of God in Scripture and outside of Scripture descended from the highest summits of mountains experiences to to the lowest valley and darkest valleys that can be. In chapter 18, the one before this, Elijah runs a marathon of 18 miles in the pouring rain, exhausting himself. And when we come to the next, this chapter, chapter 19, he's depressed and defeated. And in the the valley in the Arabian desert, how quickly it can happen. The psalmist talking about the voyager in Psalm 107 says about the stormy sea, they mount up to heaven and go down into the depth. Just as quick as the ship will mount up onto the top of the wave and down into the depth. That's how speedy a man can fall. In the morning, heaven's door could be swinging open with blessing. And by night, the gates of hell opened blasting the saint. In the world, Jesus says, you'll have tribulation. The valley would be of good cheer. I have overcome the world, the mountain. You've heard of the old adage that You keep the good wine to last. Well, that's certainly the case with this Bible character tonight as far as the mountain and the valleys are concerned tonight and next week. Elijah. For I don't know if you, apart from our Lord Jesus Christ, who dropped from a higher peak to a lower pit in such a short time, One could certainly write over the story, the words of Scripture, how are the mighty fallen in the midst of battle? For he was in the midst of battle. We need to remember that the best of men are only men at the best. We're not angels, we're not superhuman. Whether we're prophets, priests, or kings, Let him that thinketh he stand take heed, lest he fall. God has placed his treasure in earthen vessels, not in steel vessels, not in gold vessels, not in silver vessels, but in vessels of clay that are easily broken, dismantled, and scattered, and cracked, and marred. I did meetings so many years ago, and never done them since, on the title From Peace, P-E-A-C-E, to Pieces. And we can come from peace to pieces very, very quick. God knoweth our frame, and he remembereth that we are dust, dust. No matter how gifted, how clever, how experienced, how professional, how great men are, there's the potential always in this sinful world with the flesh, the world, and the devil 
to collapse and go down. And the devil will see to that. He nailed Noah with the drink after the mighty experiences. He nailed Moses with his temper when he struck the rock. He nailed Gideon with the gold after the great exploits that he did. He went for the gold. He got David with the lust, Saul with the jealousy and pride, and on we could go. And he can get us any day, any way, if we're not prepared. Here we have the greatest of all prophets who stood alone, slew 450 prophets of Baal single-handed, a man subject to like passions as we, who strangled the economy of the Jewish nation for three and a half years, who faced the most wicked, evil, idolatrous king and queen in the history of Israel, who saw the beginning of the greatest revival in the nation when he prayed fire fell, men fell, and rain fell. I said in the beginning he saw it because he didn't see the end of it. The devil took him out on the crest of the wave. When he was at the mountain top and the pinnacle of his career, when he had witnessed the greatest fatal blow dealt to Satan and his kingdom for 52 years, he went down. If he would have stood his ground at this point when he came from Carmel, if he just stood his ground, there were 7,000 prophets of God ready to join with him to finish the job. Complete the job. Cleanse the nation. Rout out Jezebel. And bring it down. But he fell. He fell. Let us not stop short. Tonight, collectively as a church or single-handedly as Christians, let us not stop short. Let us finish well for God. You know, many of the applications that arise from this so far in what I've said. And one of them is this, never take for granted answers to prayer. For three and a half years and many years on the mountain of Gilead in the Tishbay area of Gilead, away in the barren Rocky Mountains, this man was praying, interceding for the nation. Broken and consumed for the affliction of Joseph, he wept and prayed away back in the mountains. And what mighty answers to prayer God given. But when he came here in chapter 19 and verse 1, when he came here, came here to Jezreel, there's not one word of prayer, praise accord. Not a word. It says, it says there, when he saw, in verse 2, he says, verse 3, when he saw that, when he saw what Jezebel sent a messenger unto Elijah, verse 2, let me God to Dodge destroy and be more God to do me and more If I take not thy life as the life of one of them tomorrow. And when he saw and heard what she said, he went for his life 
and came to Bathsheba, which belonged to Judah, and left his servant there. Not a word of prayer. Not a word of praise. He's on the run now. And may I tell you when the devil gets you on the run, he'll make mincemeat of you. Not a word of prayer. When he heard, when he saw and heard what Jezebel had done, not when he saw and heard what God had done. He should have been on his knees. He should have had his hands up as the rain flushed down round him that three and a half years of famine. When the torrent of rain was coming, he should have been on his knees or up with his hands up in the air praising God for answers to prayer. He should have been saying hallelujah for the promises of God that you kept, for the prayers that you answered, for the protection that you gave me over the years. Not a word. Thank you, Lord, thou that supplied my need at the brook, at the, with the birds, with the barrel of, bar of the cruise of oil. Thou that raised the widow's son in my presence. Lord, thank you and praise you. The hour has come. The floods have come. Revival has come. Blessing has come. But down he goes. Oh, God help Time and time again we read of Elijah looking to and waiting on the Lord. Each of the promises God given since he came down from Horeb, when he, when he came down from, uh, from the mountain of Gilead, each of the promises God gave them had a proviso with them, a provision with them. Where do you hear some of them? After he went and delivered the message to the palace, God said, Arise and go to the brook Cherith, for I have commanded the ravens to feed thee there. Turn eastward. I have commanded the raven to feed thee. That's a provision God given with the promise. Then the next one was, Go show thyself to Ahab. That's, what, that's the third one. Go show thyself to Ahab, and I will send thee the rain. Go to the brook Cherith and command, I have commanded the ravens. Go to the woman at Seraphat. She will sustain your need. Go show thyself to Abe and I will send her in. All of them with provisions. These promises were all fulfilled for him when he obeyed them. If he wouldn't have obeyed the first one, if he wouldn't have obeyed that first one, go to the brook Cherith and I will command the ravens. Go eastward. If he went west, that was it ended. Was it over? As he walked step by step in obedience to God, God blessed him. And if he had stopped here after running this marathon of a race, when the rain was down and the thunder was raking through the sky and the lightning was flashing, as he ran after this mighty blessing, if he had stopped and began to praise God and says, Lord, what now? But he didn't do that. He didn't do that. All these promises were fulfilled when he obeyed. And the reason that many of God's people are not enjoying the Lord is because they're not obeying. And I don't think there's any word that's been thundered out more in this place in the past months or so. And Sunday morning and Sunday night, obedience, obedience, obedience. 
And the church is so stale and so cold and so carnal tonight and many Christians are so lifeless tonight they don't even want to be at the prayer meeting because they know what they do and they'll not obey. And there's no further blessing. The blessing stops with the lack of obedience. And if we know that God has shown us something, speaking to us about something, some command in Scripture, something that he showed us through the message and through the meeting, and we dig in our heels and we say, no, I'm not obeying, then that's the blessing. Stop. That's the blessing. Stop. It greatly grieves me and puzzles me that men and women and sit meeting after meeting after meeting. Like last Sunday morning, last Sunday night. And remain just cold and hard and solid. When we refuse to walk on obedience, the answers to prayer go. We're heading for the juniper tree. That's where we're heading if we don't obey. God withdrew from Elijah. Uh, he drew from Elijah his sustain. He, he drew his sustaining power, and his, his sustaining presence, and his comforting presence. Not his supplying presence. Not his protective presence, as we'll see as we go on. But his con- comforting presence. But his sustaining presence. His joy, his faith, confused and running, wouldn't even want a servant to go with him. He didn't want any company. And comes the 18 miles and running instead of stopping then, he goes another 90, 90 miles south. 99. 108 miles. He goes to Bathsheba. There was some streak across barren land. He was in some state of mind. He couldn't even bear the presence of a servant and he left him. I tell you, when you go into the right depression, you'll not want to be talking to anybody. You'll not want to hear people laughing or talking around you. It's an awful thing. He goes to Bathsheba. Bathsheba was, was in the territory of Judah. It was over the border from where he was. Over the border from where he was. But, you know... It wasn't his, it was, he was out of the country, he was out of his own country, he was over the border, he was into this place here that was, he thought was safe. Confused and out of mind, he was out of Jezebel's domain and into Jehoshaphat's territory. It was out of the frying pan into the fire. Because Jehoshaphat's son had married Abe's daughter and both were partnership together. We know that because they joined in in battle. 
He thinks he's getting away and he thinks he's getting safe and he thinks he's getting out, but he's getting deeper into it. I tell you, the word would have been there before him that the great Elijah is on the run. If only he would have sat down after the victory. Oh, if only he would have sat down after the race to Jezreel and settled himself and waited and thought of the things that would all have been different. Boy, he that believeth should not make haste. Maybe God's speaking to some of you about something you're going to do tomorrow or next week or something that you're thinking about or something I don't know. I wouldn't know. How would I know? But maybe you just better sit a wee while longer and examine the scene before you take a step and then it'll be too late to get back. The righteous are as bold as a lion. But Elijah no more. If only he had the spirit of the psalmist when the psalmist says, I will not be afraid of ten thousands of people that have set themselves against me round about. Though a host should should encamp around about me, I will not be afraid. Oh, that lovely wee verse in Nahum, the Lord is good, he's a stronghold in the day of trouble. Not a sound from him. Oh, the things that he saw. Oh, those ravens, those dirty old filthy ravens coming twice a day. You'd have thought when a man would have saw miracles like that in the barrel and the raising of the boy, you'd have thought, oh boy, that man will never go down. (laughs) <laughs> Don't you kid yourself. He runs from one pagan painted pervert into a greater trap, confused and exhausted. He journeys 90 miles away into the Arabian desert, his feet blistered in the burning sand, his mind in turmoil. And he lies down under a juniper tree. No brook, no birds, no barl, no servant. If ever he needed a friend, he would have needed one now. You know, our servants have a lot to put up with. Our wives and our husbands that serve us faithfully have a lot to put up with at times. And as he lay under that, or sat up against that tree and lay down under it, I'm sure he had flashbacks of Carmel, the fire and the floods. But all he could see and hear in his mind was Jezebel, a woman. Sending the soldiers after And before he drifts off to sleep, he says, Oh, Lord, take away my life, for I am no better than my father's. Well, nobody said he was any better than his father's. This is a pity pity part. 
Oh, Lord, take away my life. Well, he should have stayed where he was, and Jezebel would have sorted that out for him. And she would have done the job. And then he makes this powerful statement. In verse 4 in the middle of it, It is enough. I've had enough. Now, I'm going to let him lie there until next week. And when we come back next week, we're going to see him coming up out of the valley. Forgiven, sustained, recommissioned. And I'm going to just let you look at them in your mind's eye as we apply, as we come to an end, as we apply some of these things tonight. I want you to just get them in your mind's eye as he falls asleep. The red sun sets out over the Arabian desert. When the foxes and the jackals and the wild boars and the bulls come out of their hiding, the man of God is asleep and demented, exhausted under the juniper tree. Now, I don't know whether this is right or not, but they tell me, someone told me that the juniper tree was a safe place to lie under. I don't think that that Elijah really wanted to die. Well, he was praying the wrong prayer anyway because he never did die. That's out of the window, first of all. He was raptured up to heaven, you know that. There's no use in praying if God has destined something. There's no use you praying about it. What a sight this must this must have been. If only we could look at him. The greatest of all prophets. They tell me someone, as I said about the juniper tree, that wild boars and wild animals for some reason will not go in under the juniper tree. Nor snakes. There's some sort of stuff about them or on them as a protection. And did Elijah know that? I think he might have known that if that is true. He's not the first one to say it is enough. (laughs) Not right. Job said it. Moses said it. Jacob said it. David said it. I have said it. (laughs) In 34 years here in this corner, I tell you there was times I was under the juniper tree. Were you never under the juniper tree? And you didn't feel like praying or thanking God or waiting on God Lie awake. 
Lord, I can't take this anymore. And how often we feel, as A.W. Pink says, of casting off the harness or the yoke. Boy, we'd love to throw the yoke off at times. Weary and tired and confused and baffled with family, with work, with money, with health. If we're honest tonight, If we're honest tonight, many of us have said, if not all of us, have had enough. Enough of the sickness. Enough of the marriage. Enough of the depression. Enough of the pastorate. Enough of the mission field. Enough of Christians. Enough of the job. Enough of the relationship. Enough of the failures. Enough of the disappointments. And on we could go. I've had enough. That's when you need a helpmate. You know, the Bible says one shall chase a thousand and two shall chase two thousand. No, it doesn't say that. It says that one shall chase a thousand and two shall chase ten thousand. Hallelujah. It's good to have a helpmate. Elijah could have done them. Whoever he was, I'm not sure. But he done what he was told. He did what he was. And I'm sure that, you know, Moses was buried somewhere near here. We don't know where, but somewhere up here. And maybe he said, Oh, Lord, don't bury me here as you did with Moses. It's all over. If ever a man, a nation needed a man at this hour, it was Elijah. If there's one glimmer of hope, I was thinking this evening, he didn't end up an agnostic. He didn't end up an atheist. For like our Savior in the dark valley of the cross when he was strung naked there and cried out, Father, forgive them. Father, he's still his Father. Even though we can't understand. He still believes in God. Why would he not? He still believed in the sovereignty of God, I believe. The problem wasn't with God. The problem was with him. Remember Job says, The Lord giveth and the Lord taketh away, and blessed be the name of the Lord. David, you know, prayed the same sort of prayer in a different way. He looked out through the palace window one day and he cried unto God. He says, Oh God, what did he say? Oh, that I had the wings of a dove and I could fly away and get out of this. I often feel like that. Get out of it. Jonah, do you remember what Jonah said to the mariners? He says, Cast me into the sea and let the storm cease. 
Moses said to God, if you don't, if you don't go with me, you blot me out. Paul says, let, let me be accursed if you don't move upon the nation of Israel and their people. Let me be accursed. Wipe me out. And to depart and be with the Lord. Be far better. <laughs> Most men all knew what it was to be in the valleys. That's the first lesson. The second lesson is this. As he gazes upon this tired, weary, despondent, fallen soul, what sort of a message does it send out? Do you remember what David said when Saul and Jonathan were slain on Mount Gilboa? The text that I've already used. How are the mighty fallen in battle? Tell it not in Gath. Publish it not in the streets of Escalon. Why? Lest the daughters of the uncircumcised Philistines rejoice and triumph. What a shout of praise and victory must have went up amongst the sons and the daughters and the families of the false prophets that he slew. What a day of Rejoicing and banquet and bustle went on in the palace when the 408, uh, 400 prophets, false prophets ate at Jezebel's table. What a praise must have went up from the hundreds that lost their relatives and their cattle and their sheep in the famine of three and a half years. For Elijah was the man they blamed. What a joy. Do you remember when David was taken in adultery? And Nathan went to David. Here's what he said to David. He said, By this deed thou hast given great occasion for the enemies to blaspheme. The enemies, the world blaspheming. Rejoicing over the servant that was fallen. The Evangelical Church in Ulster hasn't a great record cause the enemies to blaspheme more than you would ever know. Bickering and bickering and fighting. Immorality. Sin. Does such a man or woman go to, does such a man a question, does such, does this man go to, does this man go to the lifeboat? Yes, was the answer. Well, he has a filthy tongue. Where does that go to? Back to here, back to the elders. Does such and such a person go to the lifeboat? It would fit them better if they'd pay their bill, the money that they owe me. Where does it come back? Does such and such a woman go to the, go to the lifeboat? Well, she has an awful gossiping tongue. 
such and such a person says, I belong to the lifeboat, but they live in sin, fornication and adultery. Blasphemy, the name. That's fact. See him lying there, that great mighty man, a prophet of power, zeal. The prophet that's mentioned more times than any other prophet in the New Testament. The prophet who Jesus was likened to, John the Baptist, the firebrand. What a laughing match. God help us to make sure that we don't blaspheme the name of Jesus. There's one other thing here before I close tonight. Do we not see as we gaze upon this man exhausted in the Arabian desert as the sun set over him? Do we not see a picture of the need of revival. He's not dead. He's not dead. He's on the run. I'm afraid like the church of Jesus Christ today in in the West, she's on the run. Flushed Flushed in generations gone back with mighty blessings. Times that the rain fell and the floods came and revival came. Times when prayer was answered and mighty things were happening just like Elijah. But life has gone almost. He's crying to God, take me out. You would be surprised how many pastors and ministers and churches in our land today are saying, Lord, it's all over, it's enough, just take us home. I haven't one thought of of revival, not a thought. In fact, they mock us. Well, I answer them any time I get a chance. And I just say, you just show what's going on in your place. What are you talking about? It's the same as COVID. What are you talking about? Show me, show me what's happened. Show me where the souls are. Show me where the blessings are. Someone said to the evangelical minister not so long ago, he says, there's nothing but false professions. And boy, he says, even, even a false profession would do me for I'm seeing nothing. We need a breath. We need something to come from above. (laughs) We need something. There was a time when we could drive back the enemy just the same as this man did. But somewhere along the road, the whole church, the body politic of the church, somewhere along the road we have stopped and we something has went wrong. And while we have the 
comforting presence and the protecting presence and the blessings of much we have not the power. Seems that when he was at his worst, as always the case in the valley, Jesus came. (laughs) What did he do? Well, look at it before he stopped. And as he lay and slept under a juniper tree, behold, then an angel touched him and said unto him, Arise and eat. And he looked and behold, and there was a cake baking on the coals and a cruise of water at his head. And he did eat and drink and laid him down again, watch it again. And the angel of the Lord came the second time. He got a second touch. Got a second dunt. I was out after we came here. I visited an old boy who lived up the road there. Give him a tag. I said, he saved. Oh, I... Oh, he says, saved. I'm saved. And I got the full works all in the one day. And I don't know what the full works were. But I'll tell you, if you'd have followed them about for a half a day, there wouldn't be much works. Oh, I got the whole works all at the one day. Twice. Oh, the mercy and the grace of God. Oh, the love of God. He touched him. He touched him. Oh, the joy that floods my soul. Double touch. I tell you, it's not over till it's over. (laughs) It's not over yet. Don't be giving in. Boy, it'd be an awful thing if you'd give in and lay down under the juniper tree and say, take me out, Lord, and this is it, this is it. And then when the revival will come, what are you going to do? There'll come an intervention from heaven just as it came here. It will come. It's going to come. And he touched him. That's all he needed. He didn't scold him. He didn't say anything to him. He didn't tongue him or blast him. I'd have been there to give him a query, a kick. Maybe a word. God help us. It's a good job I'm not God. Get up, bear disgrace in the whole nation and the whole country and the church. Get up. No, no. God knows how to deal with us, you know. He knows how to deal with us. What this man wanted, he needed rest. And he needed food. And he needed sleep. That's what we need to. We get weary along the road. Come back next week and bring your Bible. Do you see how this man got out of the valley? And that'll do us with victories in the valley.